Hello and welcome to Inside the Auditorium. Today's guest is Imtiaz Hussein, who is the Managing Director and Deputy Chief Auditor for Bank of New York Mellon. Imtiaz has a wealth of experience working for many years at BMY Mellon and today he will discuss with us all about climate change, data analytics and especially AI. Please enjoy. Hello, Intiaz. Welcome to the podcast today. Great. Thank you very much, Hazel. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Um, maybe we can just start um, in terms of uh, you can just tell us who you are and, and what you do. Thank you. Uh, my name is Imtiaz Hussein. I'm the Deputy Chief Auditor at Bank of New York Mellon. I cover several areas as Deputy Chief Auditor, predominantly investment management and wealth management globally, the Global Financial Crime and Compliance Audit Organization, uh, Audit Innovation and Analytics, and also um, I look after the ESG strategy uh, from internal audit perspective uh, globally. Uh, there are some other small areas such as people audit and um, chief admin officer audit uh, areas that I cover as well. So quite a versatile and big portfolio. So uh, do you ever get any time to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> I try my best. Uh, probably I catch up uh, on sleep over the weekends. And tell me, you've been working for Bank of New York for for a very long time and and had a very successful career there. Um, What what sort of made you you stay stay there? I think it's uh, culture. Um, So I I have been in many organizations and also as a consultant, um, I have had the opportunity to sort of interact with various organizations, both in financial services and non-financial services. And what um, stood out for, um, you know, for me uh, when it comes to BNY Mellon is the culture, the openness and the willingness to experiment, um, you know, fail cheap, fail fast, but learn a continuous learning organization and ever-changing organization. I think that is why I am uh, with BNY Mellon for so long. Sure. And you are, and what made you sort of become an internal auditor? Um, initially, it was by accident. So my first uh, role at a firm called Circuit City, uh, I joined the Fast Track Management Training Program. Um, they had a financial services arm, but predominantly they were a retail uh, uh, organization. And um, I did a couple of rotations. And then my third rotation was internal audit. And I enjoyed it so much uh, because of the versatility the role offers. In internal audit, you are a specialist, but you can also uh, branch out. Uh, you have many areas that you can look at. You get a bird's eye view of the entire organization and the opportunity to collaborate as well as interact with all parts of the organization. That sort of excited me um, about internal audit uh, and I stayed at internal audit. Sure. And and you're edu- educated in Pennsylvania. Um, That's correct. And and so you you I'm assuming did you start working within the US and and what made you come to London? Um, so yes, uh, I studied um, originally from Bangladesh. I moved to the US for undergrad. 
Um, after that, I worked, I earned my MBA as well from George Washington University in Washington, D.C., continued to work there. Uh, and it's my better half. Um, she's from the United Kingdom. So um, she dragged me to United Kingdom for uh, quite some time. So <laughs> that's the story. Okay, excellent. And and so w- with such a, a long career, uh, you, you know, there must have been some instrumental sort of people that have helped you or good mentors throughout your career. Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, um it's very important to fuel your career with mentors and sponsors and surround yourself with uh, really strong uh, individuals that you can look up to. Uh, so I've had many mentors and sponsors along uh, my journey, uh, but um, uh, you know, few I can mention is Paulette Mullings Bradnock, um, the chief auditor for BNY Mellon, who uh, passed away. Uh, in 2022, she has been instrumental. I learned a lot about uh, emotional intelligence from her, uh, actually, and she has been so uh, open and uh, very uh, collaborative and very, um, you know, sort of absorbing anything that you, uh, you know, speak to her about. Uh, so very accommodating individual, so uh, very uh, kind-hearted individual, and I miss her a lot. Uh, Jack Causa, uh, earlier in my career, he gave me a lot of good advice Um it's all about sense of urgency in your career. He he talked about one of the quote that he mentioned to me that sticks with me even today is, if it's to be, it's up to me. Just do it, you know. And I, I live to that, live up to that uh, as much as I can. You know, the sense of urgency, making sure that we don't leave any tasks for tomorrow. If I can do it today, uh, I'll get it done today. And it's important for internal auditors, to, internal auditors, to get things done in a timely manner. Uh, because at the end of the day, you are providing assurance to the organization. Sure. Um, and you mentioned emotional intelligence that you've learned. Is is that sort of more in terms of your own development in terms of your management style or is that more in how you deal with your stakeholders? Yes, absolutely. So empathizing with stakeholders. So one thing Paulette taught me, uh, um, you know, I was aware of it. I've been through many management training programs, but I've I've seen that in real life where she was able to empathize and she was able to understand someone else's point of view. And I learned that, uh, uh, you know, a lot uh, sharpened my skills on emotional intelligence. So when you speak to a stakeholder, especially when you're selling an issue as an auditor, it's very important to understand your stakeholders' viewpoint, empathize with your stakeholders, because we don't know what they are going through. Uh, and we cannot just um, you know, provide an issue and say, it is what it is. Uh, we have to understand the, their point of view as well. So that emotional intelligence is important, but also dealing with your staff. You know, they go through, um, I- I- you know, a lot of peaks and troughs and understanding your staff and listening to them, having that listening ability is so important for a leader. Sure. And um in, in terms of that, then, what, what sort of keeps you doing the role and, and staying within internal audit? I think it's um, what, how I got introduced to internal audit. It's the versatility, the diversity of work uh, that I do. 
you know, at BNY Mellon, I've been in internal audit for 12, 13 years, and um, I've had so many different roles. I was asked to grow India audit, which I did. Uh, sitting in London. I was looking after operations audit. I was the chief admin officer for uh, the international head of audit at one time. And then I was responsible for investment services, the front office audits covering multiple lines of businesses, as well as uh, being a senior management function for uh, some of the legal entities the UK and the Irish legal entities that I was responsible for. And then when I got the global role as deputy chief auditor, um, there are additional uh, items that were added to my portfolio or different. uh, My portfolio got changed with investment management and wealth management. And that versatility is so important. And that keeps me motivated as well. And it keeps me excited because, you know, I want to make sure that we continue to learn and grow. Uh, and the only way you learn and grow is through versatility, through change. Sure. And and so therefore, is there a particular portfolio throughout your career that you've enjoyed auditing more than others? Um, I would say it's... Um, uh, Actually, more recently, when I became the deputy chief auditor for investment and wealth management, as well as financial crime compliance, um, both very topical areas, both areas are are being shaped by the industry, uh, the wider ecosystem, uh, financial crime and compliance because of the geopolitical risks. Um, such as Russia-Ukraine war, sanctions, anti-money laundering, a lot of regulatory focus. And I had the opportunity to sort of modernize the um, financial crime and compliance audit, completely transform that. Um, so I, I enjoy that sort of work, uh, building out the strategy. Same thing with investment management and wealth management. Uh, I build out the strategy uh, from um, when I took on and created some new leaders for that area and hired some subject matter experts in line with the strategy, uh, as well as build out the talent pipeline uh, as well. It's not just about subject matter experts, but building that talent pipeline from ground up. Uh, so that sort of keeps me energized, interacting with people. I learn every day, not just from my boss, uh, my peers, but also people who are the most junior level because they bring different perspective and I enjoy the interaction. Sure. And um, I'm, I'm particularly keen to talk to you when we met the other day. Um, we were very much talking around um, data analytics, uh, ESG, and, um, and could you maybe explain to you know, everybody's talking about ESG and climate, but if you could maybe explain for to some of the audience that perhaps doesn't really know how how that's audited and why that's audited. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, first and foremost, it's uh, imperative to look at uh, ESG and uh, as an audit function. As an organization, uh, we have a responsibility to the environment, we have a responsibility, even financial services, uh, there is a concept called financed emissions, where we make investments, where we make uh, lending, uh, they all contribute to finance flows. And whether it's brown finance or green finance, it's important for financial services to be responsible. Um, you know, We have a responsibility to ensure that we continue 
to improve the earth, the people, uh, planet, and at the same time, make profits as well. So we are not a non-profit organization. Uh, so there's these three dimensions that organizations talk about these days, people, planet, profit. And this is where internal audit come into play and making sure that um, what organizations are doing, what organizations are reporting, because when you report on environmental risks or climate risks, these can be perceived as non-financial uh, risks. Some of it can contribute to other risks, existing risks, like credit risk, market risk. Internal audit has a role to play in uh, climate uh, risk, making sure that if there are any commitments made by the organization, such as net zero, internal audit needs to evaluate uh, because there is a potential for greenwashing. Uh, organizations may be over committing to the uh, stakeholders, to the investors, to the activists, to the wider uh, population. And it is important that we as third line of defense, as internal audit, we continue to review, monitor, uh, act as checks and balances when organizations do reporting. But also we can actually play a very important role when organizations are rolling out their ESG strategy, whether it's environment, whether, whether it's social strategy, whether it's diversity and equity uh, strategies or overarching governance. How is the governance being uh, structured, internal audit can play a very important role. Um, and no, it's not just the organization, you know, there is a concept called uh, scope one, two, three emissions when it comes to uh, environment or climate, uh, greenhouse gas emissions. What scope three means is you have to go beyond your uh, boundaries of organization and look at the, sustain, uh, the, the sustainable value chain that has been created. So review of your third parties, review of your uh, partners, your joint ventures. I think those are very, very important. And these can only be achieved, um, you know, reporting of ESG, an accurate reporting of ESG and complete re completeness of ESG data is through data management. So data plays a very important role. The data source, given that you know, climate is a, uh, a long lead time. So it will climate, what we are experiencing today, it will probably materialize in 10, 15, 20 years. We are already seeing impacts, but the true uh, impact will come in you know, 20, 20, 30 years. And it's important that we have the historical data, but also future-oriented data and current data and how we uh, use that data to uh, report to wider public, to stakeholders in our enterprise ESG report is very, very important. And so therefore, then, if I could just dial it down a little bit in terms of if you were going to do a, 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 a ESG climate audit, what type of things are you auditing? Would it be maybe just is it just travel? What, what sort of other factors do you have to take into consideration? Yeah, I mean, first thing, it's a very great question. So first thing I would look at is there is a um, a model called TCFD. Uh, task Force for Climate Related Financial Disclosure. There are four specific pillars that's been outlined and the regulators um, sort of aligned to that 
TCFD model as well. And the TCFD model uh, highlights these four pillars, governance. So if I'm auditing, the first thing I would look at is how it's governed, uh, what is the tone at the top, um, who is responsible and accountable for rollout, not just at the board committee level, but also at management level. Um, Are there any goals set around climate? Then I would look at strategy. So um, we may have an existing strategy. How are we aligning our strategy to our climate commitment? Um, Are we stress testing our strategy? So say, for example, I'm reliant on a third party uh, in a flood prone area. And if that third party goes down, how is going to impact my uh, strategy? So stress testing that strategy using scenarios is very, very important. So aligning your strategy to your climate commitment is very important. Then the wider risk management. So some organizations view um, climate as a standalone risk. Others view climate as a cross-cutting risk. So it's something that could impact credit risk, market risk, liquidity risk, operational risk. And how is that risk management framework uh, uh, accommodating climate risk? It's very important for internal audits to evaluate um, that sort of uh, alignment in risk management framework. Um, And then finally, metrics and targets. Using data, how is management uh, collecting uh, metrics and how are they assessing those metrics and how are they escalating those metrics to the governance forum? So those are the four uh, key pillars that I would look at. But then there's this overarching thing, which is culture. You know, the culture of um, climate and environment, um, you know, embracing that, how is that permeating across the organization? And that requires training. Uh, I would be looking at uh, the culture and the training aspects as well, which is overarching. And and so therefore you're looking at that. I know that you mentioned your third parties that um, you, you work with. Yes. But are you also looking at that from um, you, the 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 bank as uh, and as well as sort of customers, maybe where customers are, are based? Uh, yes, absolutely. So it's that's a great question. So. We evaluate our third parties, make sure that they are uh, they have sustainability goals and they are practicing sustainability. But also at the same time, when we are offering service to our customers more and more, um, we see uh, customers asking uh, financial institutions, hey, what is your ESG strategy? What is your sustainability strategy? What is your net zero commitments? How can you demonstrate that? So. Our customers or financial institutions customers more and more are asking these questions because they want to uh, partner with um, organizations that demonstrate good sustainable uh, sustainability practices, just like we want to work with third parties that have sustainability uh, front and center in their strategy. Sure. And and just out of interest, how highly regulated is this now from how important is this from the regulators to ensure that companies, uh, banks are, are auditing this and, and in a certain way? Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, there is no hard and fast uh, requirements for internal audit, but it's just like any other regulations. Regulations uh, are um 
you know, any kind of commitment organizations make, they bring additional risks. Um, uh, there is a regulatory headwinds. And therefore, internal audit has a responsibility to make sure that we protect the organization, we help first and second line to manage any kind of regulatory risk. So to your point, when it comes to ESG, um, you see more regulations outside of the US, in the UK, in European Union, in um, APAC, uh, such as Hong Kong, Singapore, um, more and more um, jurisdictions are implementing these regulations, even Latin America. In the US, there are uh, certain regulations such as California, Climate Act, so that's very much specific to California. There are uh, pending uh, regulations, pending approval, uh, such as SEC climate disclosures. Um, Federal Reserve Bank has actually recently undertaken a, um, a scenario analysis across the financial uh, institutions, the, the large, what we call GCF financial institutions. So there are activities going on. Climate risk is uh, a risk. Everybody recognizes that. And how is that impacting um, the portfolios of that the, the bank holds, whether it's a lending portfolio or investment portfolio? But at the same time, what are we doing as financial institutions, as a good corporate citizen, to help uh, build a better uh, planet and better future for our next generation. Sure. And and I know I have noticed in terms of when I'm <clears throat> recruiting candidates, you know, and, and they're telling me the types of companies that they want to work for, um, especially sort of people that are starting out or, or sort of under 10 years in their career, if I can say, um, you know, climate is very important to them. Yes. In terms if we were going to get an internal auditor to – you know, there are some auditors that are, are now working within the ESG uh, area, uh, ECG, sorry. But in terms of um, how big do you think these internal audit departments will get um, to actually dedicate time to auditing this? Because I've noticed that, that there aren't, you know, there's two or three in a company. You know, will these become departments as big maybe as the private banking team or whatever? Um, I don't think so. I think it will be uh, you need few specialists. Um and they can be coming from different industries. So for example, in my organization, I hired an ESG carbon accounting specialist uh, who has ESG background, but no internal audit background. And that you know, diversity of thoughts, the versatility is very important. So these days uh, we bring subject matter experts uh, who don't have internal audit expertise, but we t train them on internal audit. So I have a couple of folks uh, you know, um, that fits that profile. Um, and then uh, it's everybody's responsibility, right? So it's not a mm -hmm. uh, one group that does it and and it doesn't get cascaded across the organization. ESG is a topic that everybody has to be responsible for, just like culture is, just like diversity and inclusion is. There is no one group. So when it comes to internal audit resourcing for coverage of this area, the, yes, there are a couple of specialists that the organization needs so we can create those those uh, toolkits uh, that can be used for auditing purpose, but everybody needs to learn about uh, ESG auditing, how to audit ESG, how to audit topics such as 
SFDR, Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulations, or SDR, Sustainable Disclosure Regulations, which is a UK equivalent, or any kind of prudential regulatory matters. So um, given the broad versatility of the topic as well, uh, you got uh, lots of areas to cover in environment. On top of that, you got social as well as good governance. So uh, I, I think uh, it's important to make sure that all auditors have some level of awareness. But what is important is to create those toolkits, the tools, and the and the um, you know the tools of the trade, basically uh, using subject matter experts. And and in terms then, you know, talking about subject matter experts in ESG, I've noticed that some of the the auditors that now audit. ASG have actually come more from a financial markets, market risk, quantitative type of background. Yes. Um, is 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 that probably the better skill set that an auditor would need to, to, to audit this area? Yes, I mean, uh, for when it comes to climate and uh, climate risk, absolutely. I think um, they. Uh, you know, someone with credit risk expertise or market risk or liquidity risk expertise, they have the know-how to evaluate those risks and the models associated with it, the stress testing that goes with it. And climate risk is nothing but uh, an add-on. It's something that is cross-cutting, as I mentioned, to credit risk, market risk. It's sort of like a, an additional dimension that can impact those risks, credit risk, market risk, liquidity risk, operational risk. So it's a natural fit uh, for when it comes to climate risk to bring in or inject, your, uh, inject uh, people right. from those sort of uh, expertise and experiences, but you can also bring in people, uh, as I did, from someone who has carbon accounting uh, expertise, because that goes to the disclosure. How are we disclosing uh, net zero commitments, scope one, two, three emissions uh, to the street? Sure. And and so therefore, if you had uh, for anybody, let's say, that was uh, becoming an ESG auditor because it's, you know, something that's very popular at the moment. Do you think that you could grow a career or do, do you think that it's it would be somebody that would come and do it maybe for a two, three years, get back into markets and, and, and you know, maybe progress their career elsewhere? I think you can certainly uh, uh, make a career um, with ESG, even in internal audit, especially for large organization. You know, the large organizations have culture unit, right? Or culture audit unit. So, um, and all they do is culture audit. They bring that ex expertise. So say, for example, ethnography, uh, observation skills, um, uh, other types of techniques, to behavioral science techniques to uh, assess culture of an organization. And you see more of those expertise in internal audit, in large audit organization. Same thing goes for um, ESG or climate. Um, it, with large organizations, there are multiple commitments. There are multiple um, you know, organizations are signatory of different um commitments such as TCFD or principles of responsible investments or uh, other uh, types of UN commitments. So UN, uh, United Nations, uh, SDG. Um, uh, th those commitments mean that 
organization needs to demonstrate that they're not just paying lip service, they're actually doing it. Uh, they're delivering on what they committed to. And uh, otherwise, it's a big reputational risk, right? So it's not just uh, financial risk, there are other uh, risks involved. And this is where internal audit can play a very important role. And then on top of that, you could review third parties, you could review how we onboard clients, because uh, as I said, clients also expect uh, more from us financial services in terms of uh, sustainability. Um, it, it, you know, internal audit could also play a role in educating the entire organization. For example, um, one of my subject matter experts in carbon accounting actually delivered a, a detailed greenhouse gas accounting training to uh, a, a lot of our stakeholders. So that's very, very uh, important. Undertaking governance and effectiveness review is very, very important. Educating board internal audit um, can play a role. So it's not just delivering audits, but also um, delivering other value-added service for the organization, such as training, awareness, education, um, thought leadership. Sure. And do you think this is now um, so important because the, 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 the companies as a whole are, are willing to invest? Because, you know, throughout my career, recruiting internal audit, as soon as there's sort of a ever been a banking freeze or what have you, it, it tends that internal audit always have um, their budgets cut first uh, because mm. they're, they're, it's a non-profit um you know, third line nonprofit. Do you do you think internal audit is taken more seriously in the ter in the long long term? That you know, if the reviews are taken seriously, that you know, in the end, a profit will be turned because of putting these regulations. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, we um, are regularly invited to speak to clients. You know, my yeah. uh, equivalent uh, at my client organization, we will interact. We will share our uh, thoughts, our thought leadership, and we'll learn from them as well. Um, it, it's very important. Audit branding is so important. Um, uh, you know, it's extremely uh, important to uh, how audit is portrayed because perception is reality. So if you are an audit organization and is not evolving, not willing to change, then there will be, uh, you know, probably less budget. But if you are a brand, audit brand, that is forward looking, that is delivering on cutting edge work, that is creating solutions and thought leadership uh, that first and second line appreciates, um, and also, um, you know, portraying some of those thought leadership outside of the organization as well in forums um, as part of giving to the community. I think uh, then it's a different value proposition. Use of data analytics, use of AI, machine learning, early adopters of uh, experimenting with machine learning AI. Those are really, really important traits for a good audit brand. And in that way, you can also retain your talent as well, because no one wants to work for an organization that does the same thing day in, day out, right? Uh, we want an evolving, changing, dynamic uh, audit organization where people can thrive, they can learn new things, especially this is important for Gen 
Z. Uh, they want to come in and work uh, for an organization they feel uh, proud of. They want to be empowered. And, uh, you know, that that is why audit branding and how we portray ourselves and what we do day in, day out is very, very important. Excellent. And when when we did make, just going back to culture, which I was really interested in, um, you, you know, we're, we're, we're all speaking a lot again about data analytics and, and, and how that's working. Um, and, and it seems to be going very well. Um, but also as well now where it's the next step um, with regards to AI. And um, you were telling me some very interesting facts the other day because um, so perhaps what you if you could sort of let the audience know into why AI is good within an audit organization and what types of audits the AI does to, to help how that helps the um, internal audit. Teams. Absolutely. I, mean, I think it makes internal audit so powerful as a proposition, yeah. a value proposition. Um, and f- again, uh, forward thinking, right? So I'll, the example I was giving you was we created a, a, a machine learning tool uh, that looked at customer complaints because customer complaints, the definition of customer complaints is very broad expression of dissatisfaction. So when a relationship manager is speaking to a client, they may be collecting information and not really thinking that that is a complaint um, whilst they're you know, trained extensively. But when what we do is we used a machine learning tool to glean or extract information or ingest information from the relationship management software or application. And then we analyzed using machine learning and determine whether that uh, documentation made by the relationship manager, manager, the interaction between the relationship manager and the client, if that should be perceived as, or if that should be um, you know, treated as a complaint as opposed to a normal dialogue. And the machine learning tool enable us to analyze that, do that, and the machine becomes more um, accurate as we uh, continue to use that uh, tool. Um, so it pays a lot of dividends. So that's a great example where we could apply a machine learning tool. It shows how modernized the internal audit organization is to our stakeholders, uh, and we are adding value to the relationship management community. Another example of um, use of uh, AI is we ingest uh, all sanctions data and see if there are any anomalies related to sanctions and uh, uh, identify any uh, you know gaps. And that makes our audit observation very, very powerful as well because it's all data-led. And we can give real-time feedback to our stakeholders as well. So using data analytics or AI machine learning, if you can have continuous uh, uh, processing or continuous auditing, uh, you could provide real-time feedback to our stakeholders or, uh, you know, very quick, agile feedback to our stakeholders. Uh, so it's very, very important to embrace uh, first data analytics, then uh, mature to AI machine learning. Uh, you know, one of the things that I tell my team is we must have a data-first uh, mindset. Data first mindset is, is don't think about 
auditing a process using samples, uh, even before we go to a planning of an audit area, we need to think about data first. How can we accomplish this audit using data? So that's that's what's important. Um, and stakeholders find it very, very valuable. Oftentimes, they don't even have those data analytics capabilities. Uh, so sometimes I have actually, uh, uh, you know, we were able to wow our stakeholders by identifying issues and then give them that uh, know-how to them. We don't obviously want to share our tools with them, but we give them the know-how in case if they want to develop something and build it into their own control environment. Because, you know, what we want is a very clean control environment for our businesses. So if we can contribute to that, that's great. Not just audit. Sure. Well, look, thank you very much for your time today. It's been absolutely great to speak to you. Um, and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Yeah.